Hey everyone, and welcome to Theana Money, where we seek to help the good man leave an inheritance to his children's children. This is Jeremy Collins, the host of Theana Money. Since Theana Money is an economics podcast rooted in a theonomic view of God's law, it is important to discuss why theonomy is important for economics today. Well, after saying theonomy so many times, it's almost hard to just say regular theonomy. So anyways, that's why this subject, which is vital to what theonomy is as a podcast, is the subject we are discussing on the podcast this week. But before we jump into all of that, I want to take a moment to ask you all to subscribe to the podcast if you have not already done so, to make sure you catch future episodes. Also, follow Theana Money on social media and tell your friends about the podcast. Let's get the word out there, what God's word, especially in the Old Testament law, says about money and business and finance and economics. So back to the topic and first things first. If we are going to discuss why theonomy is important for economics, let's first define our terms. In the preface of the second edition of his book, Theonomy and Christian Ethics. Greg Bonson gives 10 points that summarize the core teaching of the book and thus also the core teaching of theonomy. I want to read several of those to help us get a better grasp of theonomy to give us a definition for it. You can also listen to the episode I did last year with Dustin from Christ and Capital on theonomy to learn more about it. So, Bonson writes, and you can find this on pages 26 and 27 if you want to look at all the others that I'm not reading. Also note those page numbers are in lowercase Roman numerals, not Arabic numerals, because this is the preface. So, there, Bonson writes. First, we're looking at point four. He says there, we should presume that Old Testament standing laws continue to be morally binding in the New Testament unless they are rescinded or modified by further revelation. And now, just in case you aren't sure what Greg Bonson means there by standing law, I wasn't when I first read this, he has a footnote at the bottom where he says, Standing law is used here for policy directives applicable over time to classes of individuals, e.g., do not kill, children obey your parents, merchants have equal measures, magistrates execute rapists, in contrast to particular directions for an individual, e.g., the order for Samuel to anoint David at a particular time and place, or positive commands for distinct incidents, e.g., God's order for Israel to exterminate certain Canaanite tribes at a certain point in history. So, essentially, standing law means something in the word of God that God commands for everyone that is applicable to everyone, not just God telling a specific person to do some specific action at a specific time that applied only to that person at that place in time. 
Okay, so jumping down to number six out of these ten things Monson listed. God's revealed standing laws. There we see that standing law again. God's revealed standing laws are a reflection of his immutable moral character and as such are absolute in the sense of being non-arbitrary, objective, universal, and established in advance of particular circumstances, thus applicable to general types of moral situations. Number seven, Christian involvement in politics calls for recognition of God's transcendent, absolute, revealed law as a standard by which to judge all social codes. And the last one we're going to look at, number 10, the civil precepts of the Old Testament standing judicial laws are a model of perfect social justice for all cultures, even in the punishment of criminals. So now that we have a better understanding, a definition of theonomy, we should also define economics if we're going to relate the two to one another. So economics is broad and trying to come up with a concise definition of it can be difficult. The book Common Sense Economics on page 5 says, Economics is about human decision making, the analysis of the forces underlying choice, and the implications with regard to how societies work. So economics in that sense seeks to understand choices humans make, the what and the why, when choices are scarce, either scarce because there is a limited amount of them, or scarce as in the opportunity cost. Doing one thing means you have to forego doing something else during that time. Human decision making and scarcity define much of economics. It is also important to note the etymology of economics, oikos namas. That namas might sound familiar there because theonomy comes from theos namas, God's law. So namas is the Greek word for law and oikos is the Greek word for house or home. So the broken down etymology of economics means house law. That possibly originally had some idea about managing a household which is much of modern microeconomics today, the decisions of households. In short, economics, while a broad field that goes beyond a simple definition, has to do with the decisions of individuals, smaller groups such as households or communities, larger groups such as cities or states, nations, and international relations as they relate to money, finance, and related things in a scarce world where goods, services, and time must be rationed out somehow. Now that we have our definitions there, we can begin to discuss how the two relate to one another. As a presuppositionalist, and I teach apologetics for Cruciform Bible Institute if you are interested in taking classes there, as a presuppositionalist, and since theonomy is the presuppositional approach to God's law, and to nation's laws today, let's begin looking at how theonomy and economics relate to one another by starting with God. God is the one who inspired the scripture, all 66 books of it. It is inerrant and infallible. Though Moses is the human author of the first five books, God is the ultimate author, yet not like the demonic automatic writing. God is also the creator of the world, including its laws. Laws such as scarcity, supply, and demand are no less real 
than other invisible laws such as gravity. The United States Congress can as soon abolish the laws of scarcity, supply, and demand as they can abolish the law of gravity. And if they tried to do so, they would actually be following the law of scarcity of time via opportunity cost by using that time to try to pass this piece of legislation instead of another one. So both scripture and the laws of economics are ordained by God. And here I mean laws of economics such as the ones I just mentioned, scarcity, supply, and demand, not the specific economic laws that a nation might have. So scripture and theonomy is merely how God's word, especially the Old Testament law, teaches nations how to govern themselves. Scripture and overarching economic laws both find their root in God, in many ways reflecting God's nature. An example of that is how the law of scarcity is in many ways a form of the law of non-contradiction. And the law of non-contradiction is rooted in God's nature as an orderly God who will not contradict himself or his nature. A product can only be used for one thing at a time, and if that thing uses it up, you can't use it for a different thing sometime later. You can't use a hammer to hammer in a nail and pull a different nail out at the same time. They have to be done one after another. You also can't use tar to fix a leak in your roof, then use that same tar to fix a different leak. You have to have enough tar for both. The law of non-contradiction also relates to opportunity cost, as in scarcity of time, because the same person can't do two different things at the same time. I can't hammer a nail inside the house while tarring a leak on the roof of the house at the same time. And yes, I know people can multitask and machines can do multiple things at once, but there's still a limit there and you get what I'm saying. So there's just a bit of a thought experiment about the relationships between economics and scripture and precept as we explore this subject. But the point is that the same God who created these rules for economics that no society can avoid, no matter how socialist or communist they are, is the same God that inspired the scripture. More than just merely both having the same source, God in that scripture gave us principles for doing business and handling money in the world he created with those overarching economic laws he has put into place. Scripture has much to teach us about money all throughout its pages. Jesus talks about it in the Gospels. It comes up at various places in Acts. Money comes up in several of the epistles. It is also present in the Old Testament as well, with probably many more occurrences than in the New Testament, although that is a bit unfair since the Old Testament is about twice as long as the New Testament. Proverbs has much wisdom to give us about money and business. The prophets address it on several occasions, and God through Moses teaches us much about money and business and finance in the first five books of the Bible, called the Torah or the Pentateuch. Since this episode is specifically on how theonomy is important for economics, not how all of scripture is important for economics, we will try to camp here for the rest of our time. However, we as theonomists recognize all of scripture as God-breathed, not just the Torah, 
as if we were some sort of reverse Marcionite Sadducees. So we will accept and submit to God's teaching on economics wherever it is in Scripture. But today, let's try to zone in on the Old Testament law specifically and how it relates to economics. Theonomy is important for economics in many different respects. It is important for nations on more macroeconomic levels, and it is also important for individuals and smaller groups on more microeconomic levels. An example of a law that applies to both is the Eighth Commandment, you shall not steal. A nation must not violate this commandment by promoting policies and legislation that violate it, such as making theft illegal or directly stealing itself. Also, individuals and smaller groups must not violate this command. One man is not allowed to steal from another, or there will be a punishment. And if he is never caught in this life, God on Judgment Day is a perfect judge. The same is true for businesses. God's law applies to micro and macro economics, not just to tell us what things we can't do because God is just in the business of making rules, but to help us flourish in the world God has created. God doesn't just prohibit theft to make life hard for us, but to make life easier for us. And also because, really primarily because, stealing goes against his nature reflected in his moral law. If stealing is accepted in a culture, that culture will suffer as people lose things they work to purchase or build. Time and energy is devoted to stealing what others have built instead of building yourself. People also devote more time, energy, and resources to protecting what they have from being stolen rather than putting those things toward building more things or spending time with their families or others from their local church. All of those things harm the society as a whole and those living within the society. As stealing is so commonplace that I have to spend hundreds of dollars each year on security systems for my house and car and software to protect my digital assets, that is hundreds of dollars that I can't do other things with, such as give it to a local church, give it to a nonprofit, take my wife out on several fancy dinners, invest, buy something so that those who built that thing are benefited, or any other number of things. Everyone in a society is worse off when this economic violation of God's law is commonplace. So theonomy here definitely relates to economics. However, on the macroeconomic level, this relates as well. If models of economics that encode theft into law are established, such as socialism, communism, or forms of the mixed economy at several points along the spectrum, then society as a whole is worse off. Such government-controlled economies do not do as much to help their citizenry flourish, or in some cases even survive, as more free market economies do, especially a free market economy that operates in accordance with God's word, as laid out in the economic principles of theonomy. All of that is not to mention the judgment of God on the individual who violates his law unless that person repents and becomes a believer or the nation that rejects his laws, per Psalm 2. So theonomy is important for economics because there are many passages in the Torah, not to mention the rest of scripture, that teach us how we should govern ourselves, whether the, that be as individuals, 
as businesses, or as nations. Perhaps the best way to explain this is to continue giving different examples rather than keeping this all abstract and talk about it in principle. We've already started a bit of that in this episode, so let's continue. One example of how nations should govern themselves economically according to God's law is laws on stealing and restitution. The way that American laws are today concerning punishment for theft is nowhere near biblical laws. Sometime in the future, I want to do an entire episode on this and go into more detail about it. But for now, let's look at it a bit more of an overview. What happens today if you steal something in the U.S. or any other nation with similar laws? Well, the severity of the punishment differs with the value of the item stolen, but for the most part, you now have a criminal record and might spend some time in jail. Who exactly does that help? Let's say you steal $500 from me and get caught. It comes to trial and you are convicted and spend several weeks in jail because of it. I still don't have my money back, and now my taxes are paying for your room and board in jail. Even if the judge does order you to pay me back, what about my time lost and the time I did not have my money that you stole from me? A better solution is the one in the Old Testament law where you never go to jail or prison, but instead you have to pay me back what you stole with interest. How much depends upon if you owned up to your crime or you were caught and proven guilty. In the latter instance, I have received my money or goods back with interest. The two of us are, Lord willing, reconciled during the repayment process, and you have paid extra as punishment for your crime and to pay me back for the time I was missing my money or good. If you got caught, there's just more interest than there would be had you turned yourself in, according to God's law. Restitution is made in these cases. Our laws on punishment for theft in the U.S. these days does not allow for restitution like biblical law does. Another example of how theonomy is important today is poor loans. Someone in ancient Israel who was poor could qualify for a poor loan where no interest would be charged to help the person get off the ground and be able to successfully provide for himself once again. This, along with theonomic charity, one form of which we will talk about here in a moment, will do much to help alleviate poverty with much more success than any government program could ever realistically hope to achieve. Also note here that the poor loan was different from business loans, where interest could legitimately be charged, as David Chilton discusses in his book, Productive Christians in an Age of Guilt Manipulators. The three tithes that Matt Belleville and I discussed in the episode titled, Taxes and Christian Welfare, is another way that theonomy is important for economics today. For a fuller discussion of that, check out that episode after this one is done. But for now, that concept is important as it teaches us one theonomic way of understanding the tithes, which were also the taxes of Old Testament Israel, and how they supported the priests, Levites, and the temple, which would correspond today to churches, teachers, and ministries, among other things. One of these tithes was a poor tithe that would go toward the worthy poor to help them get back on their feet and, Lord willing, not need the poor tithe again three years later, or at least need less of it. 
This concept from theonomy together with poor loans would do much to alleviate poverty. In fact, I would venture to say that if they were by and large followed by a nation where most citizens were believers, that nation would eventually get rid of poverty entirely. Defined as when the third year poor tithe comes around, there is more money to go around than there are poor in need of it which happened during the Maccabean period in Israel's history, if I remember correctly from what Matt said in that episode I just mentioned. Those were just a few examples, by no means an exhaustive list. And I want to end the body of this episode by reminding everyone, though this is more of a statement against our critics because I'm sure we remember this, that our goal in being theonomous is not to become Old Testament Israel. Rather, we are to look at how God's law given to Old Testament Israel is abiding on all nations for all time because they are God's timeless truths. Like Bonson said in those quotes I read, God's standing laws. We are to apply the spirit of God's law today. We are to look at Deuteronomy, which applies the Ten Commandments to Old Testament Israel, and use that pattern as our example for how to apply those same laws to ourselves today. Laws on allowing the poor to glean does not mean that everyone has to become a farmer. That law was given by God to a mostly agrarian society, and we are not that anymore. However, we also don't go to the other extreme and throw that law out because we have supposedly evolved past it or something like that. Instead, we look at the core truth that is applicable to all humans at all times and all occupations and ask how that applies to non-agrarian societies. That is how we do theonomy. In our economics, in our politics, in our day-to-day lives, in everything. So in summary, theonomy is important for economics because the same God that inspired scripture is the same God who wrote overarching economic laws such as supply and demand into the fabric of the created world. But more than just both having the same source, God told us in the word he inspired how to act when it comes to money and business and finance in the world he created. He made certain things off limits, not to make us have difficult rules to follow, but to bless us because transgressing those rules will hurt us as individuals, as well as our societies and nations as a whole. If a nation rejects the economic rules God gives in his law, whether direct commands and guidelines or ones under the category of good and necessary consequence, that nation will suffer the consequences, as we see in the U.S. today. The same goes for individuals who do not submit to God's rules. In short, theonomy is important for economics, both micro and macroeconomics, because God gives rules for us to live by rules that often reflect his nature and will lead to our flourishing if we obey them. That was this week's episode of Theonomony. As we go, I want to remind everyone that the law of the Lord is perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true. So go apply that law in light of the gospel of Christ's atoning death and resurrection to every area of life. Grace and peace.
Oh, you said.